season where we talk about Anna Nicole Anna Nicole Smith and boy we we've got things to say have things to say we just watched a movie we watched two movies we watched two so as part of this journey we have been consuming different types of media in yes an effort to become experts books television TV. show another book another book two movies, two movies. Also, An article that we want to read. Yes. And we have a spreadsheet of articles that we've read. There's, we have read articles. There's a treasure trove of information. I and think, we've consumed a lot of it. Yeah, Pause. here they are. So now BB has to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when he eats, it is pretty quiet. That's okay. I mean, I've recorded my other podcast when he was eating and no one could hear him. I feel like our intro was good. I feel like this is good. I think it is as well. Okay. Okay. So as we were saying, we've been consuming all manner of media. Yeah. Becoming experts. Right. And tonight we want to talk to you about two different films. One made for lifetime and one just made. <laughs> I don't know who made it. I don't know where it came from. As a matter of fact, I do know who made it. His name is Keone Waxman. It was uh, made in 2007, mere months after the demise of Anna It was Nicole. almost immediately after. Yes. Wow. And it was callous. It was callous. It was starring former pop diva... Willa Ford. Willa Ford for, with the great song, I Wanna Be Bad. Remember that? No, I didn't know who she was. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, there was a tag that she used to have for Kiss FM that was like, I want to be bad. I mean, on Kiss FM right now. <laughs> no, that sounds about right. <laughs> so she really wanted to be bad. And I will say she did succeed. She, oh, I read. <laughs> See, this is why we had to turn the mics on early. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. What didn't you know? That you were so spicy on it already. Well, come on. I'm coming in hot. You are. We've consumed a lot of content. We consumed, well, two movies. Yeah. And I watched both of them today. Yeah. Okay. I spaced it out a little bit. I watched uh, Anna Nicole, the 2007 film starring Willa Ford in the Newark airport on my way yeah. home. Like, last weekend yes on yeah. on saturday yeah after fourth of july right. i had downloaded it onto my ipad and i was sitting at a charging station watching it and chuckling to myself 
That sounds like a nice way to spend an afternoon. It really was. And then I wa- I I stopped taking notes once I got on the plane and I just was really enjoying it and uh I think there's like something with the lack of oxygen that just makes you really love it. I get it. Love I love whatever you're watching. I love being at the airport. I do too. I like love getting there early. I mean, basically like I just like drink a bunch of bloody marys or whatever <laughs> or whatever I want. I love to have a conversation with a stranger. Oh, see, that freaks me out. No, I don't like talking. I hate when the people at the airport talk to you. (laughs) I'm not going to initiate a conversation, but if there's like an older lady at the bar and she's feeling a little chatty, chances are good I will engage back. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to an older lady, but I have talked to a lot of like men. Yeah, we all have. And... I've only talked to men and older ladies. I've never talked to like a woman my age. Mm. I feel like after the 2016 election, we, I did (laughs) talk to more women in public. (laughs) Really? There was a real sense of like shared camaraderie that made people like of our age group a little bit more open in that way. I feel like I had conversations. Yes. I haven't felt that way. I felt like isolated mm. during all of this. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, know. I also have, but I think maybe it's the sense of isolation that has pushed people to engage in airport conversations with strangers. You know, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. But back to the task at hand. Okay. Anna Nicole, 2007, Will Afford. What were your overall thoughts? Okay, so my overall thoughts were it was bad. Yeah. Um, I felt like it was sort of disrespectful of ANS. I agree. I think that it was I think that it was pumped out pretty fast to respond yeah, to like s- the media frenzy right. and they didn't have nor were they interested in any kind of like reflection or consideration of her life it was just like let's get something out there that people can watch because people are interested yeah and I also I on I think it was made a time in a time before anybody would have been interested anyway like I think oh it's like only in the last like maybe three years that somebody would even want to tell her story from her point of view well we'll get to the one that we just watched which came out in 2013 oh wow okay which is a little bit older but uh I do think I do think um, takes her perspective into consideration. Yeah. Um, There was a unique framing device in the Anna Nicole 2007. Yeah. We started, well, we started with like Anna Nicole driving somewhere. You don't know where. And spoiler alert at the end, she is dead. And that is heaven. Yes. And she's like, she like shows you Mejia, Texas. She's talking to the camera. It's very like, well, didn't see you sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Gather around. Let me tell you about how I was so naive. I ended up working in a strip club. They really took the um, like, oh, aw shucks kind of approach with her life. Like she just like so dumb 
falling into this you know she just like fell into thing after thing yeah i mean it sort of is battered around by fate yeah it's kind of like as um introspective as a movie from that time could have been when they're talking about her yeah you know i feel like we forget so quickly how how different things were then it's true it was a really toxic time do you know what i was watching recently what the hills the new re the hills oh is it good um yes uh i loved that show i did too and actually a fun discovery for me and my sister i went to visit her in new york over fourth of july and she was like oh the the new hills are on i was like oh who's on it and we were talking about it and she was like, I didn't know that you watched this. And I was like, I didn't know that you watched this. Yeah. And then we watched it together and there were so many laughs. Justin <laughs> Bobby is back and he is like, yeah. he looks like Jack Sparrow. It is- yeah, of course he does. Cause he looked just like, yeah. <laughs> and Misha Barton is on. I know I've heard that too. And I, uh, I watched the second episode. She confronts Perez Hilton in this restaurant and Misha Barton confronts Perez Hilton. Yes. What is going on between them now? I well, thought Perez Hilton has been nice for the last like decade, 10 years. Yeah, I think so. But I think that it we can't uh, forget or underplay how fucking toxic and disgusting he was and like how what he put out there was yeah. gross. So still from that time, you think she's still. Yeah. Yeah. She from w- years ago from the O.C., Yes, because he was publishing um, stuff about her and her sister. And did you were you reading his blog at that time? I mean, I was always sort of reading his blog. But all I those, don't... all those, like they're all those sleazy blogs. I took them all in. Of course. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I was bottom of the barrel, and I thought it was like the funniest shit in the world too. I thought it was funny. I did get really fatigued with Perez, like he calling all got these women a little bit whores old. and. But he was like really calling out little kids too. And I remember I wrote him an email as like just a reader, like a longtime reader. This is like 2007. I was wow. like, you, <laughs> those are prime email Perez Hilton years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what can I say? Okay. <laughs> but I was like, how can you judge women for their sexual choices? Yeah. 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 Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Yeah. I, in protest, stopped reading him just the way my father stopped buying the National Enquirer after Princess Diana died. Oh, wow. But before that, he was a reader. Well, yeah, but the paparazzi played such a role in her death oh. that as a family, we had to, like, come to terms. <laughs> <laughs> we had to sit and talk about, like, uh, is it ethical to consume this? This, Yeah, when yeah. they're, like actively pushing people into high-speed car and you, crashes as a family decided no as a family no and then uh as a like woman in her 20s i started like reading those blogs and it's the exact it's same, the same thing. thing it's the exact same thing it is the same thing yeah um yeah we didn't know it we didn't know it but anyhow uh misha barton does confront him and she's like what you did was really shitty and you for her. hurt a lot of people and you hurt me and he makes an apology and she doesn't really accept it. I mean, it's true Hill style. And he's nice. like, are you serious? I swore on my child's life. And yeah. she's like, whatever. And then wow. they go their separate ways. But that's incredible. It was great. But you just think about like the lingering effect of the Internet at that time and like how they portrayed women, how nobody was immune. Anna Nicole, obviously. Oh, my God. Anna Nicole. Was a huge casualty. 
I mean, was like a huge victim of this. Yeah. Um, like probably the most famous victim of it. Like the most famous example, the most obvious example and like most extreme example. Yeah. Can um, we talk about a cameo from the 2007 movie? I mean, unfortunately, I think we must, but I do not want to think about it. It's uh, a character from the Anna Nicole show on the E! Channel. Playing himself. Playing himself. It was Bobby Trendy. Her grave wasn't even cold. Her grave wasn't even cold, and he was traipsing around. And also portrayed in... A bizarre- now I'm scared that he's going to hear this and like confront us. I think that he will absolutely. Hi, Bobby. I've been confronted before. By Bobby Trendy? No, by other people who've heard me talking <laughs> shit. So, Bobby Trendy? No, on podcasts. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's um, right. But Bobby Trendy plays himself, Grave Not Cold, a year after she dies? It's not. It's the same year. She died in 2007, and this came out in 2007. And you think about, like, how long all this stuff takes to do. They, I mean. I mean, I guess that didn't take very long no, at all. No, they were running and gunning. They, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Bobby Trendy um, is in a scene where I guess they're trying to recreate the Anna Nicole show. Yes. Which doesn't look like the Anna Nicole show at all. No, they're not allowed to use anything. They, like, everything was unlicensed. And it looks less it than looks like unlicensed. Garbage. Like, it looks like if you... Like, it kind of looked like an Instagram filter, but shittier. Yeah, if you asked a, like, class of preteens who were learning the ropes at a public access station yeah to make an opening credit sequence for a show called the Anna Nicole show that's what they would have come up with they'd probably do better like this now forget about it oh any one of them could make something so cool yes and it would like much more sophisticated oh my god they're so cool now the kids (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah Bobby Trendy unfortunate then we've got J. Howard Marshall. They made a really interesting choice with the character of J. Howard yeah. Marshall, which we know is Anna Nicole's octogenarian benefactor slash husband. Yeah. After his death, she was embroiled in a legal battle that lasted 11 years. And even after her death. After her death, Danny Lynn yeah. uh, toddles through court trying to get what's hers. <laughs> That's right. J. Howard Marshall, however, up and mobile. Yeah, and he was like he was a spry like sixty year old. He's like sixty <laughs> years old. He's chubby. He's full of life. He's jovial. Jovial, and he's basically Paternal. like Santa Claus without yeah. the beard. He looks like if Santa Claus didn't have a beard and dyed his hair brown. And he seemingly like is not that interested in the sexual side of her. Not at all. He's basically like a daddy warbucks who yes. takes her in and is just very kind to her. Real like white knighting. And the subject of sex never comes up. No, no, no. And he would never besmirch her. With no, that. no, no, no. There is also this through line of like inter- like how they navigate the drugs. It, it it like starts with pain from her surgery that she yeah. gets prescribed well, drugs. Yeah, right. I guess I'm getting them confused. And one of them she first gets it at the strip club from her from a friend, friend. Xanax and champagne. That's, That's in the in second, this, uh, one. second one. Okay. We'll get to the second one because I, the second I, one is a whole other beast and honestly we don't want to 
spoil it at all. We don't want to spoil it at all. I can't stop thinking about it. I know, me neither. And this <laughs> other, we're like, I feel like we're kind of distracted as we talk about this 2007 one because well, it's like so dumb. I just couldn't remember because like there are certain beats that are like basically the same and I watched them both today. Yes. And I'm like, I don't remember which one. But so in this one, yeah, it's from her breast implant surgery. Yes. And she asks for breasts that are the size of what usually goes in these and holds up a bowling ball bag. That's in the second movie. Are you fucking kidding me? No, girl. God damn. <laughs> You're all twisted up. I'm twisted up. You have to watch in the airport. See, when I think about the two that when Wait. I think about Willa Ford, I like imagine the weirdos circling around me at the Newark airport. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, obviously I am confused. I can't get it out of my brain. I, I know. Guess. It's to- it's so good. Let's get through it quick so we can okay. get to the good stuff. Okay. Um So what happened? How does she get her breast implants in the first one? I I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. I don't recall. Right. But she gets them. Yeah, yeah. I will. I've, I like the first one. She's battered around by fate. She's I feel like she's a real bumpkin who is naive and good natured and like keeps like falling into trouble. She's like a that archetype like of the yeah. fallen woman. Like she's just. Oops. Yeah, now I'm ruined. Yeah, she just like can't. Yeah, the fates have it in for her and she can't catch a break, even yeah. though she's like this beautiful, basically martyr, like a yes. like a Mary oh my figure. God. Yeah. Lars von Trier should do the Anna Nicole story. He honestly, <laughs> I don't think he could do better than the Lifetime one. I don't think so either. I, I mean, don't want him to do it. He's already done this. This is what Breaking the Waves is. basically. This is. Yes. <laughs> Can we talk for a hot second about how bad the wigs were? Why did they look like that? I mean, Why? I mean, from Anna to Howard to mom to everybody like, oh, my God, like pre blonde Anna, post blonde Anna, the sons. I think the sons were wearing wigs. They all were. Nobody. Had it was natural hair. just wigs. And there's a whole sequence. So there are like a couple matriarchal figures um, who guide her for better or worse in the 2007 movie. There's this matriarchal character that she meets in the strip club named Cassie. Yeah. Who like smells her G-string. Yeah. And, and that's the one who tells her to get a, a boob job. Fix and her boobs. To fix her boobs. And also is part of the very uncomfortable audition scene. Yes. Where a young Vicky Lynn has to show a creepy nightclub owner and this weird woman. What that, she's got. Yeah. And she had to shake her moneymaker. She had to shake her moneymaker and they decided to give her a chance at the lunch on the lunch shift just which, to see. Which is honestly accurate to history. Oh, yeah. She worked the lunch shift where she met jay howard yeah because he's not going out at night yeah he's got a bedtime early, early bird special baby that's where she's smart that's where you meet the really <laughs> rich old guys the old worms. yeah oh my god see it's impossible not to like make the same jokes about anna nicole smith all the time it's true <laughs> oh but we, we make it out of like respect and understanding and out of love yes 
Um, okay, so then we didn't talk about this, but uh, there was also they did not focus on Howard K. Stern, the villain, the ultimate the- villain. <laughs> But the vampire, the, the ghoul of, the, of her of life, Anna Nicole's life, her goblin, uh, her demon familiar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead, she has this like bitch lawyer woman, yeah, who's who, like always like angrily bringing her coffee. Yeah, she's like stomping around in a blazer in this huge, like very orderly mansion where they have yeah. some kind of like victorian upstairs downstairs rule system yes they do it is like down abbey there's like <laughs> what? maids and like maid outfits like <laughs> yeah i don't know what's going on in that house it doesn't look like anything i'd ever seen before except the bedroom the bedroom looks like the tv exactly show right yes maybe out of respect for bobby trendy they're maybe like well like in his contract he was like it has to be the same room. but if you recall from the show that wall was not Bobby Trendy authorized and it did spark a big fight. A big fight. A A big big fight that we think was probably foreplay. Between friends. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they are like barely suppressing their laughter when you watch it now. It's kind of and very adorable. He did a better job acting on the original Anna Nicole show than he did in this movie. I thought he, I thought so too, but only a little bit. I was like, <laughs> I see. I can see exactly how this worked. Because he is... Well, he's a prince, but he's not an actor. Yeah, and he'll always be trendy. He'll, he, he legally is trendy. <laughs> is that his tag? That should be on his business cards. Legally trendy. <laughs> Yeah. Bobby, did you hear that? That was good. Hey, Bobby, call us, Bobby. Yeah. You can sponsor us. Sponsor us. Well, actually, call us. You can be on the show. We'll resurrect it. But first. only if for we a call- can be friends. Please, not if you're mad at us. Yeah, but also, whatever. All right. Um. Okay, do you have any further comments on the film Anna Nicole, 2007 by Keone Waxman? Irene, I can barely remember it. Okay, great. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. We watched Fuck. another film. Yes. This was cinema. This was like one of the greatest films I've ever seen in my entire life. It's called The Anna Nicole Smith Story. Yes, thank you. I could not remember what it was called. It's from 2013. Yeah. It is a lifetime film. Right. Here is what is interesting. This movie was directed by Mary Heron. Right. Who also directed the American Psycho adaptation, Mm -hmm. which I have heard through Twitter dunks on the book. Wait. The with Christian Bale. Christian Bale. She directed that. Oh, that that movie is fucking awesome. I have never seen it, but now. It's so good. And I did not know it was directed by that same woman. That is insane. Yes. It is. Yes. She also did I Shot Andy Warhol. Oh, my God. Valerie Solanas. Yes. Can Uh, I tell you a story about my family? I would love. Oh, my God. I can't wait for whatever this is. Valerie Solanas met my grandma at a party really? in New York in the sixties and had a crush on her. <gasps> on yes. your grandmother? Yes, my Scum grandma. Manifesto. That's right. I think it was before that. How did she did she express her crush? How did your yes, grandmother know? She hit on her. Well maybe she didn't she said she said you're really tough 
to my grandma what in was a way this that party? was I don't know who was your grandmother hanging out with my grandma well my grandpa was an actor in New York in like the 60s and 70s and like he came up with like all the people from Lee Strasberg and like he did all that wow and my grandma was like a printmaker and they were just kind of like a bohemian couple who oh hung out that's so cool yeah and Valerie Solanas hit on my grandma and I've always thought that my grandma should have run off for it yes I mean well how could you know that's hindsight is twenty twenty. that's right I'm sure that I mean could you um, honestly if Valerie Solanas hit on you it's like I would not I would not go with her you wouldn't if you didn't know who it was, even you, if I did, even less. Yeah, you'd be like, "Did you happen to see American Horror Story where Lena Dunham played her?" Yeah, that she was, was great. so good, and the guy who played Andy Warhol, Evan Peters, yeah, was so good with her. He, yeah, I thought that that was uh, one of my favorite things of that season. I know that was I the just, cult season. Yes, which, which I thought was a very cool. Um, they, I mean, they always like make some really interesting moves, but that that's a controversial season, and I love that season. Ooh, this is a conversation I'd love to dig into. As would I, but unfortunately, we've we got to have been w- talking yes. for literally twenty five minutes, and we, I mean, we have to get into this, yeah. this film. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mary Heron directed it. It's written by two men, but, you know, directors get a pass. I mean, she obviously had a pass. She definitely, there there were, there was a feminine touch to the whole thing. The whole thing. It was by a woman for women. Yes. yes. And it is um, in ways that were subtle but significant. Yeah. And then looking into it, I mean, fucking putting her money where her mouth is. This is what you're talking about. Directors hire department heads. When you look through, like a list and you see only men you have to look at the person who's hiring them and it's the director and here we've got cinematographer heather dumas is a woman edited by a woman it's all like women 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 all the way through it and it really showed irene that was good i I care about it yeah that was great um yeah i think so too i mean like i felt like i was being told like a woman's story by women for women it's so empathetic yeah and realistic and it doesn't hide it doesn't shy away from the really fucked up dark parts of the story right from the opening like you're in her world you're seeing her world from her point of view and it is horrifying yeah the opening was fucked with the stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. We were ta- like, we both by the end of it, like at several times during it, we're like, I am scared. This is like a horror movie. Um, that is my final conclusion that it was a horror movie. It was totally terrifying. Um, Did you ever see Norma Jean and Marilyn? The HBO movie? Yeah. With yeah. Um, Ashley Judd and, and Mira Sorvino. Yeah. Um, There were elements of this that reminded me of that. I feel like there were some really great biopics that like HBO did during that time period, like Gia. Yeah. And the Norma Jean and Marilyn. And I don't know, maybe that's just, I remember like recording them on VHS tapes and like watching them over and over again. Yeah. (laughs) I was like a sicko. (laughs) 
But there's something that happens uh, in the beginning. She, young um, Vicky Lynn, is hearing her her aunt, her her young aunt, get molested by her stepfather, and she is uh, like she pulls out an old playboy and it has Marilyn Monroe on it. And she's kind of like disassociating and looks in a mirror and sees like the future version of herself. Anna Nicole, like in all her finery. Yeah. Kind of encouraging her through the mirror. Yes. Um, And it's this thing where she like that adult version of her looks like Anna Nicole, but is this future version of the child that you're seeing, even though they don't have the same name? It's like, yeah, I mean, she tells her I'm Anna Nicole, which is not her name. And it's not the name that she was going to have for another, like probably like 15 years from that scene or longer. It's like she had a full transformation and she's always aspiring to be this thing. That's more than that little girl that is, being you know left behind by her policewoman mother yes uh and forced to hear these rapes all the time Ugh. i mean that's what it that's what it is and it flips um towards the end of the movie where when anna nicole is in a really bad place and she's lost she sees the child version of herself after they started shooting the anna nicole smith show um there's a scene in the show that I remember, um, and you probably remember too, it's like kind of famous. They're at this pizza place and they're all doing a, um, like a, like a pizza eating contest. And in the middle of it, Anna Nicole Smith gets up and goes to the bathroom and she's going to throw up. And it's like this controversy because that would be cheating at eating at the eating contest. And um, I mean, I remember like when this came out was like I was throwing up all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like doing that constantly from the time I was like 12 till I was like in college. And I just felt like whatever she was going through in there, like it had nothing to do with like winning. Like, of course, that was like a dark moment that like. I recognized watching that as a kid, like knowing the feeling of like closing the bathroom door and like locking yourself in there, you know, and it was totally played for laughs on the show, on the show. And then seeing it all these years later, what she's going through, the throwing up. And then in this show, she also like takes a pill after and then sees the little girl version of herself, but like has that like moment staring herself in the mirror. I mean, it just felt so relatable and it was like a moment where I felt like, of course, that was what really happened. You know, of course it wasn't some, of course she's not like this crazy cartoon who went in there and threw up and like snickered to herself and thought, ha ha, I'm going to win at the pizza challenge. Like, of course that's what she was doing in there. Because she's human and we're all human and we all know that that's what we'd be doing in there. Yeah, I think um, every step of the way this was, this felt really empathetic. Yes. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you for listening. Listeners. Listeners. Irene. Yes. Everybody. (laughs) 
There was a point where you and I both screamed. Yes. And it was because of casting. And we didn't have any stunt casting and like uh, people weren't know. showing up playing themselves. <laughs> there mean, was no Bobby Trendy. There's no Bobby Trendy. He's not even a character. No. This I feel like as far as lifetime movies go, this yeah. is like a list. A plus 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 list. I mean, this is because okay, what are the other prestige ones we did? I could only remember the Elizabeth Taylor one with Lindsay Lohan. Yes. And then, oh, well, in recent years, they've gone into like more of the comedy genre. There's that Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. And they also did. Oh, this is stupid. This is this is an old fashioned Lifetime movie. But they also recently did like this one called like the blue eyed killer or something. (laughs) They're all like prettier like than they used to be. You know what I mean? They don't look they look slick and cute and um, and they have. I, they feel a little they feel less silly but maybe that's just because I'm older <laughs> <laughs> well I think that they're like like raising the bar to meet it the demands like of like you know modern consumers that's, that's and what I hope but what yeah. if, what if our taste is just adjusting that we like shit I mean that's certainly possible I I that is certainly possible. Because, like, ma- like women our age in the 70s were, like, everything is beautiful. Like, I'm sure they didn't think, like, everything looks like shit. Like, it could be nicer. Yeah, they're like, give me some more of those big-eyed paintings. Yeah, or whatever, like, brown dope. curtains or whatever I yes. have. And they were like, this is, I like it. <laughs> and now we're, like, going to thrift shops hoping to hoping pillage to find it. Um, yeah, I think that they are... I, I feel like they are, um, like, Lifetime in general is m- less of a joke than maybe it was, like, 10 years ago. I feel like the idea of, like, a Lifetime movie was, like, bottom of the barrel. That's, yeah. like, where people's careers went to die. Like, right. I think that was kind of the general perception. But mm. something really shifted, and uh, I don't think that that is the case anymore. Really? I do. I felt like they definitely were trying to do that. Um, I mean, I could tell, like, it seemed like a lot of marketing. Like, these are, these are prestige TV movies, too. Just like HBO does. Like, why not? Like, here's how it looks. Like, this is the same thing. And it was sort of perceived that way. Do you think that they are competitors for HBO movies? I don't think they are at all. I think they were trying to market themselves as being something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I think they were trying to like really raise the bar on like how their movies were perceived. Yeah. And I don't think that they fully got there. No, I get my perception of it. I, I for one don't have a lifetime movie pass. (laughs) I understand. We can't all have the pass, but I do have it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My perception as an outsider is that, uh, they've like leaned into what their deal is, which is that it's like, they make these movies fast and cheap and like they're compelling stories. They'll like, they'll draw you in, but I feel like the appeal now is everybody's kind of, aware of what it is yeah so there's freedom to have fun within that and like because because they're not trying to pretend like it's something it isn't I feel like they're attracting I don't know different kinds of actors like they've just matured as a company like they just are like well now we can see like 
what we as for who we truly are and like we're just gonna like we'll lean into that because that's as good as it's gonna get yes or we as content monsters um all respect to ben cedar are like um we'll like like we'll take whatever like like we just want trash like give us yeah. the, give us, just like give us that's the thing because it's like when I was younger I thought like oh I watched this shit ironically like I was when I was in high school like I was obsessed with Lifetime movies I thought it was like the funniest shit yeah. and I was always like talking about these Lifetime movies that I was watching I feel like when you made me watch Seventh Heaven yeah and that I, didn't feel ironic look it's supposed to feel ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I mean, it did, but also I felt like a real sincerity in your I'm, passion for the series. Yeah. But like, no, I have, I have a passion for these things. Like I love seventh heaven. I love lifetime movies. I love the conjuring series. Like I I'm, also love the conjuring series. That's my universe. Mine too. I don't care about Marvel. It's my MCU. The C. That is what Griffin said about me. Yeah. He was like, The Conjuring Universe is your MCU. Yes, it is my MCU. I have a little Annabelle Funko Pop over there. I love it. (laughs) Are you excited for the new one? I've seen it twice already, and I've only seen Midsummer once. Wow. It's fucking Batman for me. This is great. All right. I'm a true slacker because I have not seen the new Annabelle movie and I have seen Midsummer. Yeah. Well, so have I, but only once. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Yeah. Annabelle, she's coming home, baby. Uh, okay. So we've got Virgi- Virginia Madsen. From- Wait. Do you know how they save the day at the end of Annabelle? No. Tell me. Guess. Spoiler. Uh, they They set a fire. All right, can I literally do a spoiler? Yeah. Okay, so like skip, 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 skip. Skip, you can skip it. 30 seconds. Jesus. Go. Do it. Jesus. Christ? Yeah. Comes, they pray? No, she just puts a cross on it. That's so stupid. It's so good! That's why I love it! <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love it. Why is that where I draw the line? <laughs> to me, that's where I put two feet in and just sink to the bottom because I want the cross. I love it. It's so it well because I'm I was raised Jewish, so yeah, like I so have it's like extra mystical. Or so something? it's no, it's just extra. Like what is this? Like it's just because ex- it never had any significance to me at all. Like I never, I'm not afraid of Jesus. Like I was never afraid of a cross in my life. Like I was never. I was never in any way like affected by any cross or Jesus thing I've ever seen in my life and it just has no meaning to me um I want to tell you that my aunt and uncle were Jehovah's Witnesses when we were growing up oh my god and you know they don't wear crucifixes like it's a sacrilege to wear the cross okay and we were race catholic Mm. so what a clash of worlds and there was some like family gathering where we were in like a heated religious debate which like everybody's just like family is so intellectual i guess you're arguers we love to argue because you had to like have a sit-down meeting about the national Enquirer, and then your entire family had a religious (laughs) debate oh yeah and i uh my dad was bringing up this debate to us as well but i do remember my aunt and uncle yelling about the crucifix saying would you wear an electric chair around your neck that's a lenny bruce joke well they said it like it was a curse 
It well, a Jew said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell Carl and Christine. I mean, I I'm telling them if they can hear me. That's Lenny Bruce. That's Lenny Bruce, guys. Yeah. So 25, 30 years ago, whenever you cur- like screamed this <laughs> in my little child face. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Real original. Yeah, yeah. You're burnt. You're burnt. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to jail. They fucked up. Yeah, Mrs. Big time. Maisel, bail her out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we've got Virginia Madsen, star of Sideways and Candyman. Yeah, beautiful, playing the mom. Playing the mom. She was a perfect casting choice for Virgie. For Virgie. Yeah, she was great. She played uh, older than I think of her. Yeah, but it's, it was appropriate. It was, yeah, it was an age-appropriate role. Yes. Um, I loved Sideways uh, when it came out, and now I do not love it anymore. I remember really liking Sandra Oh in it, but not being whatever. But recently uh, we drove through Solvang, which I, I guess- love Solvang. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's when a I was German in it, town, it, 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 uh, have you ever heard of Helen Georgia? It was featured on Atlanta, the show. Uh, no, it's this messed up Alpine village in Georgia. I went there when I was staying in Atlanta. Yeah. I like however long it was. I there was a Saturday I had free and I drove up there and I got there and I was like, what is this? It's all it's like an it's an Alpine village. Everybody's in like Lederhosen. Wait, like the regular people that live there? Yes. Like that is midsummer. It is deranged and they just dress like that. They well, I think in like Georgia. They're working there. Yeah. So there's like German flags, Confederate flags. Get out. Get out. Irene. No, 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 no. I got there. I parked. I got a $6 pretzel. I got my car. I drove back. Because I was like, this is where I become a cold case. Okay. I agree. And look, here's something else. I got got the pretzel because I was hungry because I'd been in the car for hours. But here's the thing. If there was a German town like that near where we used to live, Chicago... That didn't have a Confederate flag. We would go there no problem. We basically lived there. In Georgia. It's a whole different ball. It's another ball game. Yeah. Another, another ball another of wax. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Because that freaks me out. Yes. Well, you know, I was exploring the local flavor. Did you watch Atlanta? Yeah, I watched the first season. And the only I reason the I didn't season. watch the second is because I... I am so bad at keeping up with any TV show. Well, and they, t- like, it was on Hulu and then they took it off. But I think it might yeah. be back. And I would say. Yeah. I loved the first season. It's so good. It was so good. Um. Okay. So we've got Virginia Madsen. Yeah. Then uh, can we talk about Carrie Elwes as the son? Yeah, I didn't know who that was. He was in The Princess Bride. Yeah, I don't like that. All right. Sorry. He's the evil mayor in um, Stranger Things season three. No. They could, they're going Buffy. Season. I just never. The first season didn't get me. Well, then, yeah. Abort and I just. Mission. I mean, I can't. I'm trying. I've tried several times. Maybe I'll try again. Yeah. Dave, you know, if you're not a day, there's enough. There's enough other stuff. Thank you. Uh, okay. Now, can we talk about Martin Landau? please can we talk about him? okay I think this was inspired this was like the role of his lifetime yes it's it goes in this order the Anna Nicole Smith story and then Ed Wood mm. and then whatever else he did 
some <laughs> another TV movie. <laughs> Many other TV I mean, movies. he had like his 60-year career. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, so he played J. Howard Marshall. He was perfection. He was so good. This is how I imagined their relationship unfolding. Yes. And so in the first, it's a like totally different from how it's portrayed in the first movie, which is like cartoonish and ridiculous. This is, he is obviously kind of a weird pervert. I mean, he's not. Yeah, they don't shy away from it. No, he obviously like is weird and like wants to fuck her and stuff. But he's also kind of like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm an old man and I'm going to die and I'm like super rich and this is what I want. And like, I'm going to get whatever I want. I'm going to make this pretty lady happy. Yeah. And he's he is very nice to her. And I don't doubt that he was incredibly kind to her. Well, by all reports, they were extremely sweet to each other. And yeah. Whatever their thing was, it worked. Yeah. And like. I thought Martin Lando was hotter than the real J. Howard Marshall. Yeah. Uh, You know. I mean. The real J. Howard Marshall was for real rough. Yeah. You would have to. He was just really old. Yeah. And I know that sounds. No, let it rip. I mean, he wasn't just like old. He was like very. I mean, he was like 90 years old. Yeah. Is that ageism? mm, It's not ageism to say how old he is. Today I was at an open mic and everybody was doing all these bits about like what if they were 30 and like how old someone was if they were 32. What? And I was with a group of women who were all over 32. (laughs) That See, that is a whole different thing. But is that what I sound like when I talk about like J. Howard Marsh? A 90-year-old man? No, it's fine. He's a billionaire. He's – I'm not – He's an oil. His feelings. He's an oil baron, and he's dead. Yeah, and he he was gnarly, and I mean, Anna Nicole was willing to look over a lot. She did, and I think that it was a situation where she really did feel taken care of and loved and respected in a special way. I I don't think that it was just like some gross old man and like a shallow bitch. Because it couldn't have been. No. For that much time to go by, I really don't think so. And while, yes, to me, I find it, I find both he and Martin Landau physically um, extremely unappealing. And I cannot imagine. I, It's just not. It's just not for me. But, like, I don't know. Marriage as prostitution I feel like there's something to be said for it. Not in all cases, obviously, but that is like a traditional feminist argument. So where are we drawing a line here? Well, I mean, yeah, like why draw the line? And like legally, technically, there's no line to be drawn. It's exactly the same. Mutually beneficial. Like it's a transaction. I mean, if um, someone is of legal age to enter that contract, they're of age to enter it. They should get the same. Like, I mean, I can understand being unhappy about it if you're a member of the family, but to try to like take what's rightfully hers because you want more is insane. And by all accounts, the son was a dick. I mean, I haven't read a single nice thing about him. No, I haven't either. Um, we haven't read anything. We haven't read anything written by the family, however. So have they written anything? No, not. I mean, maybe I don't know. You're too dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
We're not experts on the J. Howard Marshall family. They're like in the Trump administration now. Oh, God. I think. Good. Yeah, get up on your moral high. They're like that. They're, you know, they're like Republicans. Of course. Um, Okay, so this leads us to the casting that made us scream. Oh, yeah. There was a bit of casting that was brilliant. Yeah. It was the man who played Howard K. Stern. Yes. And we just want to say that in the first movie, that was like a nothing role. Which was disappointing. Yes, but clear the perspective of the movie was hands off. We're not yeah, going there. We don't want to. Well, also, like, there were a lot of, like, lawsuits that were going on at that time with him involved. And they probably didn't want to get, yeah, you know, they, like, they didn't want to deal with thing. it. Yeah. Um, Adam Goldberg. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> the role both, of a lifetime. We both. Our jaws dropped to the ground and we let out a primal scream. Both of us at the same exact time. We could not believe who. And it was like the gift of Goldberg. And he (laughs) came. It was good as Goldberg and better. Better than Goldberg. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the second we saw him. It's so perfect. It was like we we knew it's Howard. We were both were like, here he comes. Howard K. Stern like needed no introduction, but I didn't know he was playing him. I didn't know he was either. And, you know, I saw his name in the credits and I was like, oh, Adam Goldberg. And I just did not put two and two together. Kind of forgot about it. Totally forgot about it because he shows up what? Maybe a third, like two thirds of the way into the movie. Yeah, you've basically completely forgotten that he is a part of this. Yes, and then Act Three, the downfall. Here we go. Here comes Howard K. Stern, which is exactly right and exactly where he belongs. The downfall, Act Three. He is all is he is a third act if ever I've seen one. Yeah, yeah. For crying out loud, and they really went dark with him. They sure did. I mean, so glad that they did. They again, every single character is treated with consideration. Like, who is this person really? Yeah. And you see, you can understand, okay, like the, how these people played up their weird personalities for the camera and who they really were. And there's a scene where after Howard K. Stern becomes Anna Nicole Smith's lawyer, um, He's in a meeting pitching this reality show that he wants to make. (laughs) And the way that he does it is so jumbled and nervous and shitty. And like the way that you would do that if you were pitching something and like had no idea what you were doing. And I know because you were pitching stolen merchandise. I have done it, not stolen, but I did. I was like, I have definitely had pitches like that where like, I didn't know what was supposed to happen. And then I just kind of was like, Oh shit, I was supposed to do something. This was a long time ago. (laughs) We didn't know it was that big of a deal. Um, but it, that was like exactly what that reminded me of where you're just like, oh, dear God. And he sort of just like gets through it. Um, and uh, it's just it's like the way you would really be talking over yourself, I thought. 
Yeah, and they really uh, paint him as an opportunist and some, like, he recognized the value that she could potentially have to him. Yeah, I mean, like, he's not a person who's interested in working with her for any type of, like, creative or noble or artistic goal. He only wants to exploit her for money. There's no other reason. Yes, and I mean, he does make a promise to her in the movie saying, like, I will, I will, like, give you a comeback basically yeah and I think that she sort of sees it in a similar way like I don't think that what I don't do you think she sees herself as an artist I don't know um I haven't seen anything that would suggest that she refers to herself in those terms but I I think I think that if she had access to that kind of vocabulary she might but because she's so sheltered and she's so uneducated and she's kept so stoned by everybody around her. Like I was thinking about how her personality really shines through and like how she became famous, like how the second act of her fame was her as a personality and how like strong you have to be like to shine through all of that bullshit in that way does that make sense yeah how independent she was yeah like and how uh how strong her spirit was yeah and her ability to manipulate an audience uh as a performer I think she would consider herself a performer or an actor I just like they show like oh she doesn't read she does you know she doesn't like I don't see her like taking in art. So I don't, I don't know that she would identify herself in that way, but I don't know. Maybe do you, I don't know. I just think that she, I know she considers Marilyn Monroe her to be her favorite artist. We saw her artist. She's asked the question, who's your favorite artist? And her answer is Marilyn Monroe. Well, then in that case, then, yeah, she probably would consider herself one. And then I would say that she is successful. I mean, yeah, because I think that the drive what to to take her away from J. Howard Marshall right after they get married um, so that they don't get a honeymoon so that she can go further her career after she's like just married a billionaire and doesn't have to worry about money at all. Um to me that's a drive that's not financial that's she's driven by another another desire and I don't know if it's attention or if it's to create this persona that she loves do you think that there's a another option that's like legitimacy or um like the quest for respect or to prove herself (laughs) hi bb Okay. So what were we saying? Whether or not Anna Nicole is an artist. Oh, yeah. So I do think that the thing that drives her is a desire to, like, create create something, which is, like, a persona, which is her art. I see that. I also think just from what we've been talking about, I feel like she's driven by... um, survival seems like such a big part of it and I feel like so much of 
what she's doing is done in an attempt to keep her head above water. Yeah, to keep herself safe because you realize, I mean, really reading all of these books and watching all of these movies, if you are watching it with, you know, I think empathy and intelligence, no offense in case, you know what I mean? People just make fun of her, but no one does on here. Um, Safe space. Safe space. But like, I don't know. I feel like you can't help but see her as like someone who was victimized her entire life in like really horrific ways. Yes. And was running, like running scared. Yeah. I think, um, the, uh, the, the question of like, is she, is she an artist? Does she think of herself as an artist? And like, if so, what is her art? That is what you're asking in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that she has like an intention. I don't know. Well, here's what I think. I feel like she's like cave paintings. Okay. It's like there's people are like going into the cave because they have to find shelter and they have to survive. And they're in the cave and they're like, what are we doing here? Like, how do we entertain ourselves? Like, oh, this stuff rubs off on the wall. Like here's what I saw today. And now 5,000 years later or whatever, we're like, Oh, that is early human art. I feel like she, so it was like communication. <laughs> it was like her way to communicate with. The I feel like, yes, it is her way of communicating. And I feel like there is uh, something that is just inherent in her survival that, um, and how performative her survival is that transforms it into something bigger. But when I think about her and I look at her, I, I don't see her as like a conceptual artist who is like, my body of work is going to be, she is her body of work. Mm -hmm. And like, she is greater than the sum of her parts well yeah but like just because she doesn't maybe wouldn't have that vocabulary wouldn't speak about it that way I mean like she could still feel that way about it like she could still feel that way about the playboy cover and the tv show because why does she keep going back to that why does she go and take a job on her on the night of her honeymoon after she just married a billionaire I think it's, um, do you, I feel, and I don't know if I'm tainted by like the media that we've been taking in about this, but it seems like there's a, a real like inferiority complex built into her drive and the delay of the marriage to J. Howard Marshall is like, I need to prove myself. And on the night of the wedding, like her going to do that job it feels like I still have to make my own way. I still have to prove myself. Yeah, but, like, don't you feel like that's how it is for artists, too? Like, don't you feel like you're nev- it's an inferiority complex that drives you to yeah, yeah. do the most, like, vulnerable things you can? Yeah. And you will always feel Damn. like you need to, like, sacrifice yourself to do that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Mm. But I see it. It's weird. It is weird. Can we talk? Can we switch subjects? Yeah. Can we talk about um, the clown face? I wish we didn't have to, but... I know, but we have to talk about it. So in the Mary Heron film from 2013, at this point, it's a film. And this is cinema, and it is art, and it should be... There should be a film comment. Yes. Yes. Should be on the, yes um like everybody needs to step it up i want girls on top tees to have a mary heron t-shirt what is wrong with america that Everything. this isn't like one this you know what this should have been that movie where daniel radcliffe was like farting oh this yes. is what the, that should have been Man? that yes yes i feel like this is the american crime story this is the marcia clark story this is the this why is isn't true she doing that this is this is that this is her that it is yes that is and actually is what something she wants to do yes this is something that aggie said while we were watching it she would like got as keyed up as I got when I was like, this is a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> Aggie was like, this is true crime. This is true crime. Yes. Because it was filling in the blanks in the way that like the, um, that fucking, uh, Bundy movie that everybody was all upset about. Like, yeah. What's yeah. His name? Which I loved. Efron. By the way. Um, it filled in the blanks and was like, who was this person for real? And like, that's a, that's what's interesting about yes. true crime and all of it. Like, what does that really look like when mm-hmm. that really happens? When it's not just like played up to scare me when someone's really doing it. What is what does that person act like? It's so fascinating. And this is like exactly what what did Anna Nicole Smith act like? What did Howard K. Stern act like when they were just together talking about stuff? Like what was the sun like? Like you it's almost it blows your mind to imagine them as real people talking it's true and it is really impressive to think about everything she accomplished in like those 90 minutes of what this movie was um so there is this like very famous tape uh video recording of Anna Nicole when she is extremely pregnant and she is out of her mind on drugs she was taking um methadone and like all these other drugs whatever else and she was playing um by the pool with the daughter of a friend of theirs and uh the girl had painted Anna Nicole's face like a clown but it's like a grotesque clown yeah it's like it's like the it's like Ledger Joker worse than like Joaquin Phoenix Joker (laughs) and yeah it's extremely fucking upsetting it's just like it's like white face paint and then crude lines around her eyes and mouth and it's like her eyes are filling with green it a horror director would like dream to come up with that like you would you would be like what the fuck can you believe it just have a kid do it it's for real it uh it has like sat in the like my gut ever since I first saw it yeah and she in the video she's clearly like high on drugs and and she's like my baby my baby and she's like she's got this baby doll she's like visibly pregnant and she uh she's calling this baby doll her baby and the little girl who's in the video is uh like right down the barrel like something is wrong with her 
She needs to go to a hospital. And the person filming it all is Howard K. Stern. Yeah. And you can hear him say, like, this is going to be worth money. And it's just his his intentions are so clear. Like, she is so vulnerable and so incapacitated. And it is, like, chilling to its it is so fucking dark as like a pop culture moment. Uh, it's right up there with Brittany and her shaved head and the umbrella. I would love to see that um, shot like directed exactly the same way as this. Yes. I would freak out. I mean, just like really seeing it shot for shot, line for line, exactly as it really happened. Yeah. I mean, it is so chilling it is when you aren't watching it on TMZ, when you are just there in your mind, it is terrifying yeah like taking that step away from like oh look at this crazy famous person on the internet um it's like look at this person in a a true state of absolute like despair and vulnerability being taken advantage of in such a grotesque fucking way yeah it it is it's really scary and i like big props to this movie for not shying away from it and I mean and also not exploiting it I mean it's not um it's not like a hit piece on Anna Nicole like a lot of the things that we read it's not even a hit piece on Howard K Stern although like it is incredibly like damning and incriminating and uh our dear listeners know how we feel about About Howard Howard K K. (laughs) but um (laughs) and like this I think shows the reality of him, which again, like he's an opportunist. He's just kind he's of like, like a nebbish, but he's just kind of this like dick. You know what I mean? Yes. He's not evil. He's not like scheming or like showing you like his like psychopathy on his face in any way. Or he's just like this kind of nervous, weird, like horny loser who like would try to make money off Anna Nicole Smith. It's like, the it's like this movie feels like it just feels like if you knew these people in real life if like I was telling you a story about this crazy guy I knew who wanted to be Anna Nicole Smith's lawyer the what you would have in your head is what you see in the movie instead of what you saw on the reality show yeah which is I don't know how they did it it's um the I think it's just like really good direction and it's really just really great good casting and the acting is insane it's so yeah it's it, it's so much better than you would expect it to be it's way better than it has to be okay we haven't talked about her at all but we do I think we owe it to the lead actress Agnes Agnes Bruckner who played Anna Nicole valiantly I mean she did an incredible job. She really did. She showed us. She was able to do Anna Nicole at like the worst of her addiction, like the worst, like 2003, whatever Anna Nicole Smith show days. And like I was saying, show us what that looks like in real life. You know, when the cameras were off and when the cameras were on, she wasn't doing it in a cartoonish way that was like making fun of her. It didn't feel like watching like a bad episode of Family Guy. Like it didn't feel like she was trying to um, make fun of her in any way. It was like, this is what this woman's life was. This is the performance that she gave. And... It was, I mean, it was just a very honest performance. Yeah, I thought it was really great. She, 
she hit all the notes and I think um yeah, Anna Nicole was somebody who had the big personality that people really loved, who had like a childlike charm and was also like really sexy and was somebody that you would believe could be I don't know, cunning and scheming or whatever. And I think that she did a really great job hitting all of those different levels. I thought so too. I mean, like, yeah, I think we both shed a tear at this movie. Yeah, at least I got cold shivers a couple of times. Yeah. What was your favorite look? Look? Oh, my, I mean, okay, my favorite look. I wonder if it's ours are the same. Well, my favorite look was when they first got their house with a pool. Oh, that was a really nice scene. That's my favorite look for her. Her relationship with her son is really beautiful in this movie. It really is. And I don't want to um, underplay how much she has, uh, how much autonomy she has throughout the story. And she really is driving, like, her choices all, all of the way through. Like, she's not... Um, it's not like right place, right time. She's making decisions to do she's, things. She's planning her own career, which yeah. is what she did for and, sure. And like she's saving money to get her implants because she knows that she's going to make more money it's if an she in, has them. Yeah, like it's an investment. And she sees that the girls with like bigger boobs get more money. And so she wants that and she gets the bigger boobs and then she gets them a house. And then she, Yeah, and then she gets them the house. It's like that kind of thinking and planning. And she really does always have her eye on the prize of like, I am going to be like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. Yeah. Um, and then she was. And she was. She got exactly what she wanted. Uh, we also really liked um, the relationship that she had with uh, Martin Landau. Like that scene at the ranch when he was shows her-, her the horses and everything. It seemed so realistic. Yeah. Because- to what that arrangement would have been. Yeah, because he he says this sort of like weird old man thing where he's like, if you want this, all you have to say is thank you. It's this old Anglo-Saxon tradition, which is like whatever the hell that scene is based on or whatever. I'm sure he came at her with some like creepy old man bullshit that she was like, OK, cool, because I've had a grandpa and I know what they're like. <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean? Like he had some like weird old way of saying whatever the hell he was thinking. Yeah. And um, she was like, all right, I'm on board. And she uh, she went along with it. But it's not it's not disgusting and it's not saccharine. It's just kind of like realistic, realistic. If an if a 90 year old billionaire is trying to seduce a 20 something year old stripper, how does he treat her? Yeah. And we saw basically what that looks like. And I mean, I feel like you would see that scene if it was like the 1700s and it was some like Venetian aristocrat and a courtesan. And he's like, here's the, here are the terms. Yeah, exactly. And they would also be like standing by a horse. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I feel yeah. like it is like a tale as old as time. Yeah. Like, she, I mean, she it, it's the old like oldest trick in the book and it benefits everybody and like why are we mad about it who cares who cares well his son cares because he's a fucking greedy bastard because he's a dumb greedy balding bastard bald bastard 
<laughs> bald bastard billionaire. <laughs> Go to hell. I hate that guy. E. How? What's his name? Who, Little, fuck, who cares? How, Little Howard. Junior. Junior. We'll call him Junior. That's what I call him. Yeah. Now his wife calls him. Ooh, Irene, you came in spicy and <laughs> going out spicy. Uh, okay. Any final thoughts? No. Can we say final thoughts, or is that copyright copywritten by Mr. Jerry Springer? This did feel like an episode of Jerry Springer. Yeah, we fought. We cried. <laughs> but broken down into its like most basic yeah, form. To its bare essentials. Um, okay. Right. In conclusion, I personally, across the freaking board, would love to see women telling women's stories, especially... When those stories have been controlled by male journalists throughout the years, can we just, can we, can we just like give everybody more jobs? When women have control of their own stories, it's like. God will weep. I mean, what you get is so much more compelling and so much more interesting than you could ever get from a male point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also we got like a more of a dimension of J. Howard Marshall, which it's like it benefits J. Howard Marshall. It benefits everybody except for J. Howard Marshall's son, his dumb bald bastard, and of Howard son. K. Stern, well, sort of. I don't, Even he did better than he needed to. He did. He came off better than the other one because they were so scared of a lawsuit. They didn't even put him in the story. They just least. had him stand there and get yelled at by the real Bobby Trendy for 10 <laughs> seconds. And that was it. Here, at least, like, everything that they showed was stuff that's a matter of public record. Like, yeah. what is he going to do? Also, they showed they they had real clearances. And uh, well, it was we, like. A, a real, real movie. movie. I mean, I don't. I truly do not know anything about the first. Like, I. I mean, it just like. Will afford. I. I mean, it's like a mystery. It's a mystery to me. Yeah. Uh huh. It's a weird movie. It is, a and very I don't weird. know why they bothered to make it. I don't know either. And like, I, not to be rude, but I just don't get it. As a movie or as a choice for like a production company both yeah that's fair yeah well we watched two films we liked one and we did not like the other that's true that's pretty good odds we didn't we liked one movie we liked one book yeah but i like the movie more than the book by a lot i did as well um we're gonna process all of the material that we have taken in thus far yeah and as well as some outside stuff that we have not talked about we're going to synthesize it and we're going to create a recap. Yeah. And and a a piece about once we're now that we're experts, we're going to create something to explain our thoughts about Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah, we've been parsing them out uh little by little or long by long throughout this <laughs> process. Yeah. So we hope that you've enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but now we're going to go to the drawing board and 
start a new project. We're going to start a new project. So tune in next week for the thrilling, thrilling conclusion, conclusion. <laughs> 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 of our Anna Nicole Smith project. Yeah. Uh, we look forward to sharing whatever our thoughts are with you, with you. And um, we'll introduce our theme for next season. That's right. Are we calling them seasons? Yeah. Okay. Great. I mean, they're, they're short. They're short. Maybe series. Yeah, yeah. It's a series. Okay. Our okay. first series was Anna Nicole Smith. Next series, we'll find out we'll soon. We'll figure it out later. Okay, okay bye. Okay, bye.